the 61st episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Matthew. I'm one of your hosts. Uh, joining me, as always, is Jacob, another one of our hosts. Jacob, what's going on today? Hi, everybody. Uh, this one's a little bit later. That's my fault. Uh, <laughs> holidays are a thing, I guess, and it's very difficult to get my schedule to do anything reasonable around this time of year. Holidays, uh, since I spend at least a good portion of my time working in the gaming industry and retail uh, at a board game store, I, I sort of understand what you mean. <laughs> it's been kind of crazy at, at my work as well. So, uh, no worries. I'm glad we're going to have this conversation now. Um, and what we're talking about today is we're kind of doing an end-of-the-year wrap-up. Um, it was a really popular show at the end of 2017, and we wanted to do the same thing today. Um, kind of look back at 2018, talk about what were some of our favorite characters, some of our favorite issues, some of the favorite things that came up, and then talk about as we look forward to 2019. What are we looking forward to? What are we a little bit maybe nervous about or concerned about? Um, and what's just kind of our, our, our final hopes at the end of the year? So... Um, I'm looking forward to doing this and kind of jumping in, and I, I, I figured let's just kind of jump right in and talk about um, the first kind of list we have is our five favorite characters. Um, and and I, 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 we didn't kind of go over it too much, but uh, I'll kind of give you the rubric I was using. I'm wondering how similar it was for you. Um, I'm kind of approaching this as both an ethicist and a fan, trying to be mostly an ethicist, but also just somewhat of a fan. But, but really, I'm trying to look at questions of either stories that we were introduced to in 2018 or stuff that really only kind of came to hopefully everyone's attention, but certainly my attention in 2018. Uh, is that about kind of where you were coming from? Yes. Yes. So like there, the characters that I selected for this um, weren't, they weren't all like originated in 2018, but they were in media in 2018. And we've talked about all of them. Right. I think uh, possibly with one exception, uh, this year as well, and I did try to. T I did a similar thing where I tried to take characters that I liked, not just because uh, Jacob personally consuming the media likes the character, but also because I really thought that uh, the ethics surrounding the character were at least interesting to talk about, even if they weren't something I agreed with. Nice. Yeah, I think I, I kind of came down in a pretty similar place. So it sounds like we're right, right. So, um, and I'm actually going to start by. Um, uh, so you have five for five favorite characters? Yep. Okay. So I'm going to start with an honorable mention that I threw on right at the end, which breaks all of those rules. <laughs> because <laughs> um, this is a character who was certainly not introduced to us, but and was certainly not um, – we weren't even talking about his stories from 2018. But was introduced to me really in a new way by folks like you and Jessica Plummer and um, uh, Jess Dunks and some of the others. And that's Superman. Um, I had – Really, my opinion changed quite a bit on the character of Superman this year because of the, um, the discussions that we had uh, a couple of times, but especially um, in the episode that, that we just had with uh, Jessica Plummer uh, and the episode um, that we that you and I did earlier with Jess Dunks about um, uh, the Red Sun uh, book and also the um, Kingdom Come that we did earlier in you, the year. Did, so, yeah, we, we talked about Soup's three times this year. It's an unprecedented amount of DC coverage for uh -huh. us. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially because, you know, I've, I've been pretty clear that he's by far not my favorite character. So I'm a little surprised we went we went so deep there, but I'm, I'm, I'm happily so. I think he raises some really good questions that, that I'm glad we got to go into. Um, so with that, um, Jacob, who's your number five? So number five, I have T'Challa from nice, nice. Black Panther. Uh, so just 
many, many reasons. Like, I think T'Challa is such a breath of fresh air for, for a masculine superhero in general. Mm-hmm. Um, in how he approaches uh, different situations, I love that he can admit when he was wrong. Um, and and is painted in that light of, like, even though he was on the the right side in terms of not doing, like, particularly monstrous things, he still changed policy as a result of of what he saw to be a reasonable argument. He was able to dissociate that from the fact that he had to fight this particular individual who was doing some some not very good things, right? Yeah. And just, God, T'Challa is just such a really strong character, but strong in that different way. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm having difficulty putting words on it. Like, he's he's strong in, in his determination without being aggressive in his strength. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good way of saying it. I think, um, uh, I kind of get cliche, but basically he is, I saw him as a kind of a different definition of masculinity as a character, yeah. you know, and as a hero yep. in a way that I really loved. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you, you put him on the list. He, he was someone I was thinking about for my list. I did not have him on. So at least we're not in danger of having the same five. Um, but I do have someone from, um, uh, from that world who we'll get to. Um, okay. Mine is the, um, like you, most of the ones that I have on here are going to be folks who uh, I think we've talked about at some point, although again, I'm breaking the rules early because my number five is not, um, but it's the character of Tandy or Dagger from the Cloak and Dagger show. Um, mm, okay. It's a really good show that I, I'm really looking forward to us talking about it sometime in the next year. I'm going to, as always, folks, spoilers for pretty much everything that's been on, but this one I'm going to not spoil too much because I think not too many people have seen it. Um, but it's a very interesting uh, portrait because I think often what we get in shows like this is that when someone gets their powers, it either confirms exactly who they are sort of morally or, or more likely it causes them to really like be forced to make a decision. You know, are they a good person or a bad person? Are they a hero or a villain? And for an awful lot of the show, the character of Dagger is very morally gray. Um, she is clearly one of her heroines because of some of the terrible things that are happening to her, but she's also not on the right side of the law or even on the right side of ethics all the time. Um, and I, I think it makes her a very interesting character study because First of all, it, it's one where, you know, it, it's about two young people, one man, one woman. There isn't a romance between the two of them, which is so refreshing. Um, and her character is portrayed as romantically interested in other people, but she always has the power in those relationships. And she always, she's not the sort of like weak flower waiting for someone else. She's the more physically violent one compared to her partner, Cloak. Um, so yeah, it was just, I, I felt it was a really interesting twist on a lot of the cliches that we often get. One that I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed and looking forward to talking about more. That sounds like I should definitely start watching that show at some point because that that definitely sounds like again this this a different way of painting these stories than I have seen, uh, especially given the uh, and Cloak and Dagger were I feel always kind of like that because Cloak was always the um, was always the the less physically impactful character because that's their whole. Uh, oof, as it were, but it's it's would be nice, I think, to see that in the sort of modern um, motion picture media uh, to see how how that gets portrayed. Definitely. So who, who's your number right. four? So so number four, uh, and I finally get to put one of these characters on this list and say that we talked about them this year. I have Sam Winchester nice. from Supernatural, um, and it's actually because this year and so like. 
spoilers for you and for anybody else listening for, you know, 10 seasons after you watch, <laughs> stop watching. Uh, he's It's gotten to a point uh, where Sam has actually made the transition from just being, you know, basically a, a foot soldier who's fighting the good fight against all of the monsters and has actually become a leader and an organizer of of hunters he's finally stepping into that kind of a role Interesting. Uh, and we see him struggling with it and and having some clashes of ego with people who are all like well who put you in charge and like dealing with it in really healthy ways and like actually worrying about the people he's sending off to different places um because he knows the job is dangerous, but still making the choice is still going like, we don't have the bandwidth to not just send you, so we're going to send just you. Um, and I just, I feel especially for how much that show has has changed and evolved over time and how much stuff they've thrown away, seeing Sam sort of become this almost fatherly figure uh, and in, in one particular way, because they introduced a new character where basically Sam and Dean and Castiel are all dads to this new character they've introduced in the last two years. Uh, and it's super cool to see that. Um, and to see them, uh, Sam in particular, have this kind of finally maturing into somebody who's not just a doer, but actually thinks about the bigger picture and, and takes some, some leadership decisions is just a place I feel the show probably should have gone about five seasons ago, <laughs> but they had a lot of other ideas, some of which were good and some of which were not. That sounds powerful, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, because I, I did quite like the character of Dean Winchester, um, I'm sorry, for Sam, I, I like both of them, in the early seasons of what I watched, as I mentioned before, about season four or five, they they made some real decisions that made me decide to check out, but I'm glad that they've kind of gone back in on things and, and, and turned some things around. Because um, that, that is, I think, a very interesting question of, when do you kind of switch over from the foot soldier to the leader? Um, and I think it's interesting that so often... And this is more with like cop shows and army and, and like army stories or military stories. But even for these, most of the time, the kind of story we get is the people on the ground are the good ones and they know what's going on and they're cool and awesome. And the people who are in leadership are, you know, either stuffed shirts or they're following the rules or they're all yeah, they're of out of touch. They're yeah, yeah, they don't care about uh, they they care about just straight numbers and not people. Those kinds of things. Yep. Yeah, so it's nice to hear see a story about someone sort of intentionally making that move and, and doing it in a good way. Um, so how about you? Who's your number four? So my four, um, <laughs> maybe this says something about um, uh, which one of the two characters we picked uh, is is also from Black Panther. It's Eric Killmonger. Um, oh, okay, I, okay. I found him. I agree that T'Challa is a great character. To me, it is Killmonger who makes the movie. Um, both because I think Michael B. Jordan is just such a fantastic actor and and has that wonderful mix of charm and beauty and deadliness all at the same time. That's just so powerful to watch. But mostly because I thought his character raised such compelling, difficult questions. You know, and, and as you talked about it, in some ways, it's it's him and T'Challa together because it's that the two sides of the same coin. But the degree to which Killmonger really, you know, forced the people of Black Panther to push this question of if you have all these kind of resources, are you what are you doing if you're not helping others? Um, as well as pushing this question of violence and of um, is it, you know, what are the ethics of fighting back and helping others fight back against oppression? Um, and his just whole idea, you know, in some ways, I feel like there was such a um, and again, you and I intentionally didn't go too far into the movie because we both sort of felt that as white guys, we weren't really the right ones to cover this. And there were some great other articles we linked to and a, 
I continue to to say that my voice should not be the definitive one on this, but from both what I observed and, and saw, but also what I've read from so many others, that Killmonger raises such good questions about, you know, the um just the, the, the differences between African and African American and, and what does it mean to be an African American, a black person in this country cut off from the history and the, and the heritage of, of, of Africa and um you know the some of the ways it was portrayed in terms of like how T'Challa is so connected to all of that and, and Killmonger is cut off from that and the way Killmonger, you know, that the who is responsible for that. Um, I just found Killmonger such an engaging character and to me, there were many points in that movie where I was honestly not sure if I should be rooting for him. And that, that at the end of the day, is just my favorite kind of story where there's a hero, where there's a someone who's theoretically the villain and I'm not quite sure if I should be rooting for him. Um, so yeah, he, he's definitely my, my number four. Yeah, and to be clear, uh, I don't even disagree with you that it's Killmonger that makes the movie Black Panther great. Yeah. Uh, like, I, to, to, I feel the T'Challa character needs to be there, uh, obviously because the story's sort of named after him, but like, be, also because you need that kind of hero to deal with that kind of villain in a way that I can stomach. Oh, for sure. Uh, because if T'Challa's response was more of a, nope, we're just going to completely shut you down and crush you, uh, and we're going to have a slugfest, and then at the end of the day, I'm going to raise my hands and shout into the sky, and, and I get the girl and whatever other really bad negative tropes we want to throw into here. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have liked that movie at all. <laughs> so who's your number three? Number three, I have Jessica Jones. Uh, nice! I love the character of Jessica Jones uh, a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, and this year, so like this year, she did a lot of things where I got mad at her. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, because this year was Jessica Jones season two, and that was the year, this was the year where Jessica just made a lot of decisions uh, where she was, I, I can't even really fault her for how she approached the situation with her mother, right? And that's like, when I can sit here and look at a hero and go, I love everything about this character, I don't agree with the decisions they're making, but I can empathize with them enough to go, "Mm, I understand why you're doing that. Like, that's good writing. If I can sit there and say, I mean, you and I had a a slightly different take on Jessica Jones season two. Um, I'm still of the opinion that I I thought it was very good. Um, But, Part of that may be that I'm just uh, was way focused on Jessica's story throughout that, and then to a lesser extent Trisha's story as well throughout that. Even though the conflict coming up toward the end there was not something that I think either of us was was a fan of, um, and I like this year how she was struggling with whether she needs to be basically she. she in some ways, she was struggling with whether she needs to be that sort of disconnected, dissociated, dispassionate mm-hmm. uh, hero so that she can, like, not kill anybody again or, or not, like, get into that point and really control herself. Or if she sh- – and also, like, that whole hero needs to not have connections so that they're safe and, like, nobody can get at you through your connections. And she just – at the end of the season actually chooses to to step away from that and go, Nope, I'm going to, I'm going to connect with the people around me. I'm going to start caring about them and I'm going to start helping people because like, I like that whole transition. And I also like that it makes a lot of sense from her history that it took her a while to get there. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I definitely hear your points. I, I, it was funny as you were saying this, um, I, I do disagree with you quite a lot in terms of my moral perspective on the character of Jessica Jones. I, I find it a lot. I, I find it easy 
I can relate to what she does, but I still find it very hard to empathize or sympathize with the decisions she makes uh, or something to forgive her in any way for them. Um, but in many ways, that's that's definitely a sign of a great character because she's a character who the two of us can watch and recognize she's dealing with some very ethical questions that there isn't a clear answer to and that the two of us can have a, have a disagreement of. So I, I definitely can see why um, that she, she's on your list because I think um, – I, I, I think that that's a powerful thing. I think for me, probably the only thing keeping her off my list is just my disappointment of, of where she was season two versus season one. Um, but I, sure. but I definitely can understand, especially if you had a more positive view on that, where, where she comes in. Um, my view, uh, uh, my, my number three is <clears throat> uh, another woman from the um, Netflix MCU. Um, unsurprisingly, we've got a couple of those on this list. Um, uh, although someone who I think is a, um, a little more clear where they stand morally. Um, and that's Black Mariah, Mariah Dillard. Mm, okay, um, okay, very good. Which I, I I don't give anything away, but I'm guessing that's the first overlap you and I have. Uh, no, but no, actually it okay. isn't. Believe it or not, Mariah Dillard did not make my list. Interesting. Okay, I mean, in part that just shows what a rich year we had in terms of characters. Um, and we, we, we talked about uh, Luke Cage recently, and so I don't want to go too much into all of that again. But I just found... Her character, I think, really did something unique on a number of levels. Um, first of all, just the, the descent. You know, I think one thing we've talked about before in this show is the tension of someone who is trying to sort of do not great things, but in sort of at least officially um, good ways or at least acceptable ways. And, and what happens when you start count, uh, cutting corners and then cut more corners Um the fact that they, they showed us a lot about her past and, and some of the horrible things that had been done to her uh, and, and and that she had been involved in with her family. We got hints at that from season one, but we saw a lot more of it season two that, that again, make you empathize with her somewhat uh, and make you – it's funny because I, I just said I didn't really with Jessica Jones. and I, I It's not quite the same because uh, I certainly can, can understand where Jessica's coming from and I by no means can forgive Mariah. I could so relate to her. I could understand exactly how a person could get to where she had gotten to and how she could go so far off the deep end once she started to really sort of give up the idea of um, trying to do things the right way. And especially the scene like where she, she burns the, the uh, all of her rivals and then when she just kills people so so blatantly in the prison. Um, it, it really just it, – it, it had that idea to me of – when someone who has been repressing something so much and trying so hard to be just barely on the right side of respectable finally decides to break bad and to just not care anymore, that goes real deep real fast. Um, and uh, I've spoken for a while on her, but the other thing I just want to uh, touch on, and, and we touched on it last season, uh, last year with season one of Luke Cage, but I want to mention it again. Um, having one of the main sort of romantic sexual characters of the show be a middle-aged woman who is also a middle-aged black woman. I hate the fact that that's revolutionary. Um, and, and revolutionary is the wrong word because it, it certainly has happened before on TV, but very rarely. And I just, I, I love the way they played her character as a romantic character, as a sexual character, not doing it for laughs, not doing it as, can you imagine how screwed up Shades is? But very clearly showed why Shades would be in love with her, and why uh, you know that relationship when it broke broke so hard for both of them. Um, that that to me again just makes her such a character I adored. Yeah, like 
As soon as you said Mariah Dillard, I was like, oh man, why isn't Mariah on my list? But <laughs> she's not. I'm just being honest. Like, and but but it was that kind of reaction because yeah. she was such a strong part of Luke Cage season two. And it, I said it when we were talking about uh. Uh, Luke Cage last year, I want to say, or or maybe even earlier this year, when I was bemoaning how the the later in a couple of different uh, sort of throwaway lines, how the later half of the season, I just wasn't that into Diamondback and really just wanted Mariah to be the principal villain. And then this year we got that, and it was basically everything that I wanted in some things that I didn't expect, like her relationship with her daughter, uh, being uh, a principal part of the plot. Also, like added another degree of depth to her character and added another like humanizing factor, which was important because it would be very easy to paint Mariah Dillard in the narrative just as a, as a monster and someone that you can't like, no one could relate to. And, you know, therefore when they die, everyone just cheers and they didn't do that. And I like that a lot more that they really made it clear. This is a person that is, you know, this is what their life has come to, and here's the circumstances that brought them here, and it makes sense. Yeah, I definitely think that's right. Uh, who's your number two? All right. Uh, number two, also from MCU, because, you know, that, that uh-huh. sweet, sweet money that we get in the middle. <laughs> um, also from Luke Cage, uh, but also in Iron Fist, Misty Knight. Yeah. Uh, just, God, Misty is, like, the hero that I really want every other Marvel Netflix hero to be more like, um, she's, you know, she can have fun, but she's like, when she's working, she's no nonsense. I love her whole, like ability to reassemble a crime scene thing, uh, both how they do it. And also the fact that like, you know, she kicks, she kicks a lot of ass, right? She is very, very good, uh, at, at fighting at physical altercations. Um, but, there's this other aspect to her character as a detective that like no other character has something like that going on. Um, it's funny that both um, the, my, my third and my second are both effectively detectives. Um, my, yeah. I might have, I might have an archetype that I really like in my superheroes, <laughs> I can see uh, that. but like, but but Jessica Jones and Misty Knight are not carbon copies. They they approach things very very differently, and they have different personalities in their interactions. I also like kind of liked how uh, when she came on to Iron Fist, one of the things she did was uh, start uh, making side eyes at um, oh god now I can't remember his first name uh, Rand uh, oh, not yeah, Rand yeah. no 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 not Danny uh, no uh, the other family not joy joy's brother why can't i think of his name oh, yeah. now the brother we, that, that's all we need yeah yeah but like so like in that whole thing and how she had like an interaction with colleen uh also her scene with colleen in the bar um where you know that that was also you know clearly a straw man argument scene but at the same time it was one that was um you know if that had been done 15 years ago some guy hero would have shown up to like stop the fighter or, or, or teach the people a lesson. And I like that. No, they didn't need that yeah. because it was Misty and Colleen and they're perfect. And I also like how Colleen just went and like, eh, she's got it. Yep. <laughs> Sat back and took a drink. We're, we're going to so talk good. more about the history of that, the, the, the direction of the, the Netflix MCU at some later point. Um, cause I think it's a really good topic and one I'm looking forward to jumping into, um, later tonight. Um, 
because I've got a lot of fears and a lot of hopes and excitements about it. Um, but I'll, I'll just say one of if if there's one thing I most want from Netflix besides the continuation of Daredevil, it's that we get Daughters of the Dragon. Um, you know, not yeah. not Netflix. Did you know who knows? Again, we'll get to that. But because you're right, Misty Knight was such a good character this year, and I. I'd echo most of what you just said. I think the only thing I would add as well is, and it's funny because this is something that at first disappointed me, what they've done with her bionic arm. Because hmm. at first when she got her bionic arm, I wanted that to be like, let's see all the cool gadgets. Let's see the cool things it can do. Let's like really play with this fun new technology. Um, and I was disappointed at first that it didn't do that. I was very disappointed that it was made by Rand and not Stark Tech because I thought that was just such a dumb way of breaking continuity. Um, but... Uh, or like not having you know the movies and the, the TV shows inform each other, but I've come to really appreciate it because I think the more I think about it, the more easy I think it would be for that to just sort of take over her character. And instead, mm-hmm. she gets to have this strong arm, she gets to do cool things, and yet it's her detectiveness, it's her character, it's her love for the neighborhood and desire to to heal the neighborhood, but to do it on on one particular side of the law. Um, and, and to wrestle with that question of the law, those are to me the defining things about her character instead of just um, what she does with this cool arm. So, yeah, I, I think she's a very strong, strong character. Yeah, and it, there was also this whole thing where, like, immediately after she got the arm, she actually struggled with it, and it was more of a hindrance than it was a help. And yeah. I thought that was a, a better way to paint that narrative than to just be like, oh, all better plus upgrade. Why don't I just cut my other arm off now then? Like, hmm. That would be – that's less good, right? Yeah, and that was um, – as I think I've mentioned on the show before, I, I myself have a prosthetic leg. And I'm often frustrated by TV shows where you know the character – we see them get injured and the next episode they're in the hospital for an episode or two and then they're out with a prosthesis um, and it's working just great. Um, when the reality is, at least in my case, it took nine months from uh, my losing my leg to my having a prosthesis that could fit just because of all the healing that needed to be do, to be done and the relearning of things and the helping atrophied muscles. Um, and, you know, superhero world, superhero tech, it's going to be a little faster, but still, I like having at least that little bit. Um, number two is going to be a huge galloping shock to people because I've never talked about liking this character before, but we have another villain from the MCU Netflix, um, and that's Kingpin. Um we're going to at some point soon get into Daredevil Season 2. Uh, I'm sorry, Daredevil Season 3. We'll probably do that as a um, an episode early in the new, in 2019. I know you haven't finished that show yet, so I don't want to spoil too much. Um, but I, just, I continue to think that Kingpin is, I think, the strongest character in the entire MCU. Um, and certainly, probably to this point, my favorite villain. Um, and what they do with him in Season 2, in Season 3 of Daredevil, of really showing that he is still a just, you know, Kingpin to me is someone who isn't just, um, you know, he's the one always pulling the strings. He's always the one manipulating everything from the background. And season one of Daredevil, he very much wasn't that. He was kind of the pawn of Madame Gao and of the other people of the hand without even realizing that. Season three, I feel like, is really where Wilson Fisk becomes Kingpin. And we just see how much he can manipulate things, how much he can be pulling the strings from behind the scenes, but how much he still is doing it for, for reasons that are, if not ones we agree with, at least ones we'd be sympathetic to. He's not just wanting power. He is wanting to help the city, to help his neighborhood, and also to get back the woman he loves. Um, and that doesn't justify the things he does, but it makes him, I think, such a compelling character and one that I just, 
I, I can't imagine anything with um, uh, D'Onofrio as as Wilson Fisk that I wouldn't want to see. So that's he, he's definitely my number two. I mean, and now we have our first and only okay. overlap because Wilson Fisk was my number one. Yeah. Uh, we talk. How could how could I not? We talk about him all the time. <laughs> really Wilson do. Fisk sh- shows up, I think, on super superhero ethics at least three times as often as any other character. I, I'm pretty, I would like put myself down in writing on that. I am confident we talk about him more than we talk about any other character in, in by a wide margin. I think that's almost um, definitely true. Exactly for the reasons that you state. And again, like neither of us like actually agree with Wilson Fisk and what Wilson Fisk does. That's not the point. The point is that if he's in the show, we know there's going to be some things we get to talk about, right? He pretty provides such a rich vein of material. Like what he's doing, what he does with uh Poindexter and with oh, the FBI yeah. in, in and like the fact that he is he's actually the entire focal point. He is the focus of Daredevil season 3. Not really Matt Murdock like he's there he's interacting with things there's some stuff about his character too but if you look at the framing like what's Foggy doing Foggy is trying to figure out how to get Fisk out of the stupid penthouse thing um what's Karen doing Karen wants to get at Fisk like all of our characters like what are the different FBI agents doing well they're interacting with Fisk because they're either getting information about who to who to go after or they're like digging into hey are we getting played by him or they are getting played by him right like oh god it's it's like the entire show is centered around the machinations of this one person who did most of this setup while he was in prison and it's like none of the stuff that wilson fisk has done this season has been physical that i've seen so far but they've, it's all been deeply villainous, like really insidious, that that rich, um, yeah, the, the, the machinations, the, the pulling strings from behind the scenes thing that, that uh, you were alluding to. Yep. Like, he's just a very, very, very compelling character, and one that I am excited to keep talking about next year, because I don't think we're going to, I don't think the uh, Wilson Fisk well has run dry just yet. Oh no, we were definitely doing a whole episode on Daredevil Season 3, um, and... And that's in part why I think Dare, uh, Daredevil Matt Murdock himself didn't make it onto my list because he is, as always, a really good character. But you're right. Wilson Fisk is so much the heart and soul of season three of Daredevil. And in many ways, I feel like where Matt Murdock goes isn't terribly it, – it feels like of a part of where he was in season one and two, whereas Kingpin, it's just such an interesting new spin on him this year. Yep. Um, and it, Kingpin looks like he's actually like evolving and progressing and going somewhere that's growth for him. Right. Um, whereas Matt Murdock seems to kind of be backsliding a bit. I'm actually more interested watching season three in um, Foggy and Karen's storylines and in how they're going to be right. you know, dealing with the problem. In a lot of ways, uh, we, like I'm sort of launching into our episode yeah, let, on let, Daredevil on season three. Cause, Sorry. Because I, I disagree with you there somewhat, but let's definitely put that on hold. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to do my la- my number one. And yeah, it's great. We had a little bit of that um, overlap and you got to talk about your number one. Um, cause I'm going to leave the MCU entirely. I'm even going to leave technically the superhero world, but, um, it's the character who I really loved his journey so much. I think in part because it was so controversial and what I believe about him and what a lot of people believe about him. And so many people so didn't like where this character went this year. Um, but I really loved it, and I the questions it raised I think are so fundamental to what I care about. 
Um, and that's Luke Skywalker. Um, I continue to think that The Last Jedi is just such a wonderful piece of Star Wars mythos. I don't necessarily think it's one of the best Star Wars movies, because I think some of the things like the pacing and, and some plot holes and stuff, yes, I acknowledge they're there. But I think it is a great movie in a lot of ways, and I think what it does with... I'm someone who is so interested in questions of, you know, what ha- what is the difference between, like, religion versus the thing that the religion is about, and how do authority things become calcified, and how do beliefs become dogma, and... What does it mean to wrestle with having heroism laid upon you and not wanting to be a hero and that responsibility and failure? And, and there's just so many things that Luke Skywalker wrestles with in Last Jedi that I think are such great questions. And it, it's not that I picked him because he's controversial and I was like, aha, look, I, look where I am. It's that the fact that he is so controversial means to me why his character and his betrayal is so important. Cause like, you know, it's an ethically interesting character, but where everyone thinks that he made the right choice or she made the, or they made the right choice, that's not as interesting. But a character like Luke Skywalker, where the writers make a very conscious choice of where to go with it, and a huge number of people really don't like it. Um, and I, I think there's some really good ethical questions about why we like it and some of them don't like it. Um, to me, it, it encompasses so much of what I love about this entire journey of, of looking at spe- uh, science fiction and fantasy and superheroes through an ethical lens. Um, and so for, yeah, for all those reasons, Luke Skywalker is my number one. Yeah. Luke Skywalker would have been on my list if his movie wasn't in 2017. Um, oh, okay. That's fair. That's <laughs> yeah. Fair. It was at the, it was at the end of 2017, <laughs> but most of the conversation, right. Yeah. Was, was this year. Uh, so like, I like I, I'm not saying well disqualified yeah, no, leave the podcast. Good, but, like, good job no. for saving me there. I appreciate that because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it was is that we spent so much of this year debating and talking about him. Yeah, you know? that and so that's yeah, absolutely and that's like a majority of the conversation. Like, yeah, the character maybe went on screen in 2017, but what made you say Luke Skywalker has to be like? best character of 2018 for you was because it dominated so much of the year in in those ways and like right. yeah luke had there were a lot of people i think um who luke was uh was you know the, the paragon the person on the pedestal who couldn't do any wrong and seeing him painted in a different way than that was deeply upsetting you know i understand that and then we talked about this on our uh, last jedi episode too it's just like i'm much happier with the idea that like somebody who you thought was uh incapable of doing wrong didn't always do you know the right thing or or struggled with with things i think that's it's a better cautionary tale if nothing else so 100 percent agree luke skywalker his his journey more recently particularly in the last jedi is one that is I think going to also serve as a lot of material for us to talk about in, in the years to come. Uh, and hopefully I, it's also a uh, spoiler alert. Some star Wars stuff is on my later list for <laughs> as, similar reasons as, to, uh, as it is for mine. Yeah. So, yep. um, and I just want to make sure we're, we're conscious of time. We're going to kind of, kind of keep moving us ahead. Even though there's so much we can say about all these, because really what we're listing off is the things we most like talking about. So of course we want to talk about them. Um, mm-hmm. So our, our next category is our five favorite ethical questions. Like the, the questions that we talked about this year that we really loved. Um, 
for me, my number five is can he be a superhero who doesn't kill? Um, it, mm. it comes up in um, Daredevil. Obviously, it comes up um, as we discussed with Superman and with Batman, as we discussed with Jessica Plummer. Um, and I just I, I really like the conversations we got to have about it this year because I think um, you know. For me, I have always loved the idea of holding this ethical line of saying you won't kill, but I think there's something so disingenuous about trying to say you can be someone who engages in violence all the time, you know, hitting people. <clears throat> uh, it's funny, even like I'm, I'm currently playing the Spider-Man um, uh, PS4 game, and I'm loving it, and it is such a good game, and Spider-Man, I know, is also dedicated to the idea that he never kills. There are some combat moves I have done in this game where I have wrapped a person up in a web and thrown them 40 feet into a metal pole, that's going to kill a lot of people. Um, so yeah, that was a question I know we kept going back to, and it's definitely one of my favorites from the year. Yeah, and and I like that we talked about, uh, if I'm remembering the conversation correctly, things like exactly what you're describing in your game, where we see heroes who have this sort of hard line on, on killing do things that... Yeah, that would actually probably kill somebody. Yep. Uh, but because of the conceit of the fiction, we're supposed to believe that it, that they didn't, and so it's this kind of trying to have cake eat cake situation. Yeah. Um, What's your number so, five? So this year, did you know that our devotion to a cause episode was this year? God, that was so long ago. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I'm, I was looking back. So in, in formulating this list, a little bit of a behind the scenes, behind the curtain thing, um, I was looking at the list of, of podcasts we'd done this year going like, what are my five favorites? And I saw the picture of Londo Malari and I went, no way, that was 2018. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. But just, the yeah, the, the idea of um, with, like when somebody gets so bought in to their to their doctrine to their beliefs that it becomes a problem and what how those problems manifest uh in our media and how that translates to to real life as well um i liked that for many reasons some of them political but some of them that like i got to talk about babylon 5 again yeah which I, <laughs> even though i have some problems with it uh with the uh with the dialogue in particular um, it still has just this really rich vein of story ideas. And, so, and I think that's such a good one because it's it's such a rich it, – it's a question we're going to return to again and again. You know, that's, that's definitely one of those yep. evergreen questions for us. Um, so what's your number four? Number four, uh, I liked our talking about Infinity War, uh, particularly the, the whole we don't trade lives thing. We talked for a very long time about how that not only were, were the – Avengers inconsistent in adhering to the we don't trade lives ideology in some of the decisions that they made, but that at each step, that sort of um, idealism and being unable to abandon it uh, were what allowed Thanos to achieve his victory, right? Um, I just, that was, I, I really enjoyed that conversation from the perspective of like, you know, when you're, when you, come out of a movie where the villain wins it's very rare for me where i'm like yeah you know the heroes sort of like didn't do a good job at, at avoiding that so it makes <laughs> sense that this is the outcome and when i walked out of infinity war and like yeah that tracks uh yeah. they did not they did a bad job yeah that's um uh, i that one is also on my list um uh i'll say later where it is but it's uh for all the reasons you talked about i think that's 
It is such a good question and probably one of the things I most liked about Infinity War <clears throat> and that I was most frustrated by Infinity War and as I'll talk about later, it's one of the things that I'm most – you know, there's always the situation I think that comes up where you see a character doing something you disagree with and you're not sure if the writer disagrees with the character. And for me, it's a very important question because if the writer is showing us a character doing something that, that we're supposed to think is a mistake, awesome. I love it. When the, character, when the writer wants the character to do something that the writer thinks is a good idea and I disagree, sometimes I can still make for a great, great, uh, compelling story because we can disagree with the writer, but it's a very different thing. And I'm, as we'll get into, I'm very curious where that's going to go with Infinity War. Um, for me, my number four was the glorification of violence. Um, <clears throat> it's something we've talked about and, and I, I sometimes think about with this show itself because all the media that we're talking about is probably to some extent going to have some degree of violence at some point. Star Trek being a very notable exception, and even Star Trek has some violence, but the, the difference in how little it does versus most superhero things I think is so monumental. Um, and But I think we had some great questions, we had some great discussions this year about you know, what does it mean that we have all of these movies and stories about people resolving conflict through violence? And I know we had a great conversation, especially about, you know, what does that mean in terms of the definition of a hero? And, and what does it mean that, um, you know, it, what are, do heroes look to violence a little bit too soon? Um, so, yeah, so that for me was a, a, a really good number, uh, good one. Yeah, that that conversation is also on my list. And spoiler alert, it's it's a lot farther up. Uh, but uh, similarly, like, just I I really like the conversation. I really liked naming that uh, the fact that so many of our heroes and so much of our media is focused on solving our problems by using violence. Yeah. Um. Again, for very personal reasons for me. Uh. But like the, it, it was it's a topic that I'm really happy to talk about and like it's going to feed into almost any other conversation we had have, especially when we get back to talking about, um, you know, the next season of Punisher, I'm sure violence is going to come up again in the next season (laughs) of Punisher. It's not just going to be him, you know, farming for a season uh, while he's, you know, you know, my revenge is done. I'm going to go, you know, till some fields and whatnot. No, that's yeah. not going to be the show. <laughs> oh, um, it, it would not surprise me if we have more overlaps on this list. So, um, yep. But yeah, so, so what, what, what's your next one? Number three for me uh, was, and this is a shout out to our friends at the MCU cast. Uh-huh. Uh, why is Kingpin a villain and Punisher a hero? Yeah. Uh, that was so, it was such a good jumping off point. Even though we made that episode uh, more of a mailbox uh, episode toward the end we did spend I almost 50% of that uh, recording yeah. time I feel just addressing the well we don't really think that uh, Punisher is any more a hero than Kingpin and because of, of all of the things that we have said about the Kingpin character slotting him in the traditional you know maniacal villain slot doesn't really fit right and just getting really getting into the weeds really getting into that gray area uh, about exploring the fact that these people are have similar motivations, they have similar bad habits, and they make similar choices, and yet we're supposed to think that the Punisher is doing good and the Kingpin is doing bad. Just, hmm, yeah, yeah, really rich vein. You're right. I think that was such a good discussion. And again, uh, uh, I know they, they listened, so very, very big thanks to Matt and Jack for throwing that our way um, because it, it, it really was, and I think it's, and Jessica, uh, uh, in our recent episode about uh, Superman and Batman, brought up the same question about how 
every story kind of has a different ethical framework, you know, and it kind of sometimes there's an interesting thing that happens when you take a story from one, you take a character from one story who is in the world of that story painted as a villain and put them next to the, you know, the moral world of Punisher and the moral world of Daredevil are very different. Um, uh, you know, made clear by the fact that Punisher was introduced to question the moral world of Daredevil. And so, yeah, to me, that's such a great example of, of how that thing, those uh, things uh, could, could come out. And, um, it was such a great discussion. Um, what was your number three? For me, my number three is the toxicity in fandom. Um, and mm. this is one of those where it's like it's a favorite in a, in a hard way because it's, it's something that I desperately wish was not an issue we were talking about in a lot of ways. This isn't an ethical question as much it, because I don't think there is an ethical defense of any of the toxicity as much as it is a discussion about – I think there's a very rich ethical discussion to be had about how do we as fans engage in fandoms knowing that there is quite a bit of toxicity in those fandoms and what is our moral responsibility to challenge that, to engage with that, to deal with that or to walk away from um, the, the, the fandoms that have that you know, and how, how does all that happen? Um, that's something we'll talk about a little bit more today and also I think we'll definitely do it um, – a podcast about it later, but we had some really good discussions about that, especially in regard to Star Wars and in regard to Ready Player One, um, and that was just one of my absolute favorite conversations we had. Yeah, I mean, ethics of being a fan is my number two. Uh, <laughs> All right, and so, so really, yeah, and, and obviously because I haven't mentioned it yet, use of violence was my number one. So we're just gonna blow past those and, and finish out your list but yeah the ethics of, of of fandom in general that that conversation was one that i was really pushing for um knowing that you know we we're gonna touch on some hot button things and maybe piss some people off but i felt like it was really important it was more important to talk about it and to talk about the things that we when we when we're fans of a particular property seem to think it's acceptable to do to our fellow human beings or say to our fellow human beings that really isn't and we really should be better than that and uh that that whole you know be the the whole be the change you want to see in the world be the hero that like you want your writers to write about and i i think that's so well put and i'm i, I feel very gratified but i'm not surprised but we're very gratified by the fact that you also have it on your list because i feel like in many ways it is part of the mission statement of this podcast especially because while we try to have a, a, a really great set of, of guests we get on and, and have a lot of diversity in that, um, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest about the fact that, I, that you know, all three of the main hosts of this show have been straight white cis men. Um, and <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that's a reason not to have the show. I think there's a lot of great discussions we can have. And I also think it's important for us to lift up other voices as we do that and to encourage people to listen to voices that are not our own. But I feel like because of that, and I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I certainly feel like because – most of the time, I am noticing the toxicity as an observer, not as a victim. Um, I am yeah. not the person who the toxic people come after. And to me, it therefore is so – it is so vital that a podcast like ours that isn't necessarily the victims of that toxicity do even more to call it out. Yeah, I feel like if we said nothing, then we're part of the problem. Absolutely. Right? And you got to name it and you've got to – well, shame it is the wrong way to put it, right? It's it's not about that. It's about um, sort of calling attention to this why 
these kinds of behaviors why you know basically there's a better way of behaving and a better way of, of voicing your real problems or or analyzing uh as we talked about on that on that episode at length you know really thinking about why are you having this reaction like why is this so visceral to you why do you care so much that luke not be somebody who could have considered yeah. murdering a child yeah i think that that's definitely very true um and and it's very related to that that my number two uh, ethical question is um, the the idea of tradition and authority and religion in Star Wars, um, mm. and it, it ties into the toxicity in fandom um, because that was one of the things that people got so toxic about. And I kind of already went into detail about this. We, we talked about it somewhat already with, with why I was saying all the things about Luke Skywalker, but it just it, it raises to me so many good questions. Uh, everything about you know how did the Jedi lose their way and what does that mean? And, and that wonderful line um, where Luke says that the idea that um, if the Jedi die, then the force will die is, is such hubris and arrogance. Um, and for me as someone who has been steeped in a lot of, uh, you know, worked with a lot of, you know, traditions and authorities around nonprofit and social justice work, but especially in religion, I see that dynamic happening all the time. And I was just so, I loved the conversations we got to have with Becky Allen and with you and with some other people about Star Wars and how all that came to be. Um, oh, that Becky Allen two-parter was so much fun. Yeah, we should do. We should. We should have her on again. I, I think one, on, on our list that we drew up of uh, uh, episodes to to have for next year is just Becky Allen. So, um, Becky, if you're listening to this, just tell yeah. us what you want to talk about. Come on, <laughs> we, we can come up with some ideas. But pretty much anything. May, hopefully, won't. not three hours again this time. But you know, <laughs> if it ends up being three hours, it probably means we're having a great discussion. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear. That's entirely our fault. Um, yeah. and, and my number one was the Dewey trade lives. So the one we already mm. talked about, but again, there, I think we, um, we, we, and, and I think that's interesting that I think for characters, there was so much divergence, but for ethical questions, there's so much overlap. Um, and I think that that's fairly telling about the way you and I both approach these things. Um, cause in a lot of ways, I think of the, the 10, 11 really with an honorable mention that I put in 11 characters we brought up, most of them in some way tie into one of these questions that we just named. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously not into the ethics of being a fan, except for uh, the angle with Luke Skywalker. But that is very, right. very critical to why you put him on the list, though. So I think that that's definitely you know, and, and even I'd say Mariah Dillard because I think that that again yep. that like the the having her be a sexual romantic character is 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 the kind of thing that some of the toxic parts of fandom definitely fought back against, and, and I was glad to see them push it. Um, so let's move to our next question, which is five things we're excited to see explored in 2019. Um. What what is your number five here? So uh, I actually have the Orville down here. Okay. Uh, I really can't wait for season two, uh, because of what season one did. I you know, and we talked about it on our episode uh, about the Orville, but it's this. I really enjoy how just sort of more classic Trek it is, while still being you know kind of fun and kind of fresh, and we still have a, on the books an episode about the finale of season one of Orville because it was good enough that we wanted to talk about it on its own. Um, and I, I'm just excited to see more of more of those kinds of questions being explored, more of dealing with sort of this, this gray area about what is the role of a, of a quote, advanced civilization and dealing with the, the social and interpersonal issues that we have among the crew of the Orville. Yeah. Um, and I'm really hoping that we get uh, – oh, I'm going to say his name very wrong now because it's been <laughs> too long. It's not Yemek. Yemek is the uh, 
Yimik is a goblin in the adventure zone. Um, the the blob, yeah, you know, I, the blob character and the doctor. Yeah, I, like I still want the. Uh, he's voiced by Norm Macdonald, isn't he? Yeah, I want that character to be uh, and the doctor to have the thing that we were talking about that we really wanted to see, where yeah, you know, so- there's some closure to him being a complete creep ball. Yeah, I, I I think so too, and I think that that's um. There's a lot that's unresolved, and I, I think in some ways it, it just – and I, I, I've been hearing a lot more good things, especially from our friends at uh, Matt Carroll of the MCU cast that we talk about a lot. Um, he now has a Star Trek cast out there. I think it's called the Star Trek Universe. Um, I'll provide a link to it. And, and he's been kind of making me want – him and, and uh, Dave Robertson, the other person who's a, a host, have been making me want to give our, um, Star Trek Discovery another chance. But right now, for me, my Star Trek fix is going to come from Orville. And, mm-hmm. and I would say, yeah, I, that, that, that's, um, spoiler, that was number four on my list. Um, <laughs> and, and I, but I spe- the specific thing I, I said I was looking forward to, I think, is I want it to be a little bit more Trek and a little less sophomoric. Um, sure. I think we had talked about this, that, and again, I, I'm not a Hollywood insider. I have no real reason to think, to, to know for sure. But, but I've read things that indicate this, and certainly it would make sense, that when Seth MacFarlane started that show... You know, the network wanted a Seth MacFarlane show with a lot of the sophomore humor that he is known for, but that he wanted to get away from that and to make it more of a, you know, just kind of an homage to Trek kind of a show and not just trade on that humor. And I think that we talked about in the episode we did about the Orville that we saw that less and less in the first season. My hope is now that the second season, the network might kind of say, okay, Seth, like you've proven to us you can make this work. We're going to give you a little more creative control. And that, because I, I admit I don't love the sophomoric stuff and it makes it a little harder for me to watch than I would like um, and frustrating me because there's so much else that's good there. But it, it, it makes me think like that, 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 that that's one more reason to be excited for it in 2019. So what was number five on your list? Uh, number five for me is Good Omens. Um, mm-hmm. Good Omens is one of my absolute favorite books, um, especially because, you know, obviously I like religion. I like morality. Um, for anyone who hasn't read it, it is fantastic. It's very funny and, and, it is very lighthearted, but it deals with some really interesting questions, especially because it's it, – and it's funny. It's kind of about um, what a lot of the first couple seasons of um, Supernatural, really seasons three through five, uh, are about, which is what does it mean to be kind of caught between heaven and hell? And you know, it's the same kind of thing as, as Babylon 5 and the Shadows and Borlons. And, and what does it mean when you've got these two cataclysmic forces, both of which think that they can – know what's right for everyone else and in their fight with each other they're just harming everybody in the middle um good omens isn't about necessarily people with you know high morals wanting to stop these two things as much as it is two people who are just trying to stay out of the line of fire um but i'm really excited to see that show and see how they explore that because i think it is such a good book and has such great questions good omens is number three on my list (laughs) Uh, okay we are really like really loved good omens the book really excited to see how it how uh, it gets implemented on screen uh, for a lot of the reasons you state. Also, because it just it has some it, it's still some comedy because Pratchett uh, and like, but it's it's so good. Uh, you really like if 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 you haven't read Good Omens, uh, I definitely give the book a whirl before seeing yeah. uh, the show because I, I have no idea if if the uh, the uh, visual media is going to be as good. But if it is, then oh, it's going to be really good. So that's both of our fours and fives. What's your number three? Oh no, good no, good omens is my number three. Oh, okay. Uh, what was your number, number four? four 
is and like again we don't have any confirmation on this but daughters of the dragon is what i'm excited yeah. to potentially see in 2019 i want another marvel netflix show with two strong leading ladies uh the other of course being jessica jones um and i want to see more misty knight like i just oh. want her to have a show see interesting because hmm? I, I i i really want it to be with two strong women but i don't think it's going to be misty knight and jessica jones i think it's misty- no, no no it's going to be misty knight and colleen wing Oh, oh, you're right? saying in addition to yeah, Jessica in addition Jones. to Justin Trick. Okay. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Jessica Jones would be one of the daughters of the dragon. And I was like, I, I don't think. No, that's no, no, where no, that no. That's that's not how that works. Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. In fact, if they do Heroes for Hire, I would rather see Heroes for Hire be uh, Luke Cage and Jessica yeah. than Luke Cage and and Danny Rand, only because the the gun fu angle at the end of uh, uh, is is interesting and and it is a canon thing. But like, I'm not that into it. I'm really not. I I'm <clears throat> we talked about this before, but I my biggest frustration with Iron Fist is I wanted I wanted Danny Rand to just totally let it go, not to find another way. Um, but that's that's a huge tangent. Um, but yeah, I think that that's 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 a great one to get into because um, I my understanding is, and we'll go more into this in my concerns. I think at this point, any new stuff involving those characters is going to be on Disney, not on Netflix. And mm-hmm. Disney has certainly put out some dark stuff. I mean, you know, Deadpool is is under the Disney uh, version of MCU. Uh, oh, no, no, it's Fox, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> anyway, but they, they've certainly done some very dark stuff, and I think it's certainly possible they will. Um, but I'm very nervous about that. But yeah, if we get Daughters of Dragon, that would be amazing. Um, my chapter, my um, uh, number three is, um, again, going to kind of a, far end of our um, spectrum of things we talk about, but one we definitely did an episode about. Um, and it's, I'm really excited to see where the Magic the Gathering story is going to go. Um, we did a whole episode, for those who don't, who don't play Magic, just a very quick summary. The, the story has really been about these characters called the Gatewatch, who, especially myself, but I think both of us have a lot of frustrations with, and um, it, it seems like that story is coming to at least a major ending point in the, the next couple uh, stories we're going to get. And I'm sure those characters aren't going to all die, as I would kind of enjoy, um, frankly, but but uh, I think they will still continue to pop up. But I think there's good reason to think that we may sort of say, okay, we told a Gatewatch story. That Gatewatch story has come to an end. Now let's let's kind of switch gears a bit and, turn, uh, and tell a new story. Um, and if that happens, I'd be really excited to see that in the Magic the Gathering world. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen only because of the direction that uh, Hasbro seems to want that to to go with them wanting to make a motion picture. So they want to have a bunch of this is very cynical, but I think they do want to have a bunch of, you know, easily brandable characters that they can then drum up to something on the big screen because everything has to be able to be like Marvel in order to succeed. Yeah, I hope you're wrong, but that's certainly possible. Um, yep. What's your uh, number three? Uh, number oh, three was Good Omens. Right, so what's your number two? Right. So number two is uh, uh, the resolution of Infinity War. Uh, so we're getting, uh, what is it called? Endgame? Endgame, yep. Right, we're getting Endgame. Um, I, want, I really want to see the whole plotline resolved because I want to see the real cost of doing business with Thanos. We know for a fact 
that it's not going to stay with all of the people who got erased erased for contract reasons. This is actually something um as I've as uh, much to the uh, consternation and I think chagrin of my of my co-host here. I've gotten <laughs> into wrestling recently, um, and this is something that that is related. Stick with me on this journey. Okay. This is something that happens in wrestling too, where when you know people's contracts are coming up, you can predict the storyline, you can predict what's going to happen, and it makes what actually happens a lot less impactful. So, like, again, when we were talking about the, the how Infinity War ended, and we're like, well, we know these characters aren't going to stay dead, and the characters that are left behind are going to end up somehow going away, because we know contracts are up, and we know people aren't renewing. Uh, so I want to see that shift and actually see what the world looks like post-dealing with the Infinity Crisis. Yeah, and I... How about um... I, I'm really glad you brought that up, and I think maybe it's a sign of um, either different interpretations of the question or just um, you being more positive and I being more cynical. Um, that, for me, is my number one concern for 2019. Oh, it, um, it's also – Infinity Wars also in my list of concerns. I have a go. lot of like there you go. concerns are the same as the excited to see explored. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I'm definitely excited about it as well. I am, I'm definitely going to be uh, – I'm really excited to see that movie, and I'm actually making a very uh, specific point – I have not seen the trailer. I'm going to do everything I can to not learn anything about the trailer. It's going to be very difficult. I imagine I will probably see the trailer at some point, but I'm going to do as much as I can not to know about that movie and just go into it blind. Um, or go into it without having seen anything. I should not say blind there. Um, but yeah, because I, I think that's a, a, that's a really good one. Um, so my, um, my number two is, and again, we've talked about this already, um, but it's what's going to happen to the Jedi in the next Star Wars movie. That's um, that's my number one. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We're uh, and I think we, we've kind of talked that one to death, but I think that there's just um, there's so many interesting questions. There's so many again places where I'm like, I think I know where the writer's going, and I'm a little nervous they're not going there, but I really think they are. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm, yeah, a, I'm, I'm a little nervous that all of the pushback against Last Jedi, and especially going back to the original director, you know the the um. The Force Awakens was a much safer movie in a lot of ways than The Last Jedi. And I am a little afraid that they go back to that, um, especially given the pushback against Last Jedi. But I'm really hoping they don't. That's one of the things I'm, I'm really excited for in 2019. Yeah, I'm hoping to see the uh, traditional Jedi ideology challenged in, and something new presented yep. it, sort of in its place. It's like, well, they didn't have it completely right either. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, and possibly that as a a bridge that ends up forming between Kylo Ren and uh, Ray. Yeah. And and let's be clear, that should be uh, two people, you know, agreeing to work together and not in any way a romance because there's nothing that's bought that. Mm -hmm. And it would be really, really sort of ham-fisted and, and Hollywood cliche and all everything I don't like about romance is as it's portrayed in these stories to have these two characters hook up. Yeah. Right. Cause I, there's no reason for it. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I'm, I'm not as invested in, I, I, I'm pretty okay with Kylo just being the villain and it not being a rescue him story because I feel like what happened with him in episode two, in, in episode eight, the last Jedi was such a departure from that. And him really like, getting to the point where he could have been rescued, but he didn't. Um, but you're right. It, it is where they go with that question. Something I'm really excited to see in that movie. Um, and so, for, so what's your number one? My number one is Captain Marvel. Um, I am ah, super yeah, yeah. excited for the story. Um, 
Small point because I'm a huge 80s nut and I want to see a movie in the 80s, but really because, you know, we've talked about this when we talk about Wonder Woman and some things like that. There is just such a dearth of properties given to women to headline um, in, in the world in general, in science fiction and stuff in general, but especially in um, the MCU. Um, it's one area where I think the MCU has been very deficient to uh, the DC Universe. Um, and I'm really glad to see it coming. And I'm really hoping it is a strong, successful movie that really obliterates this idea that that, that can't be successful. Um, you'd think Wonder Woman would have done it already, but you know, I know there is still this idea in a lot of Hollywood that people don't want movies with strong women characters as, as action heroes. And I just am really excited to see that movie for so many reasons, but that is definitely one big part of it, is, is I just... I, I was super excited for Wonder Woman, and for the same reasons I'm super excited for Captain Marvel. Yeah, we we want that to build momentum. We want that idea that no, we don't we don't care that it's a woman superhero. We we care. Well, I mean, we do, but like we don't care that it's not a man superhero. I maybe I guess except we also care about that, but not in the way that they think. Yeah, but I would say I, I definitely I, I would say that I, the gender of the character most definitely matters. But I don't right. need. I think what we're saying is that we don't need it to be a man. And I think the idea yes. that, that we need it to be a man is ridiculous and, and really uh, problematic and uh, really toxic. And I really want to see that obliterated. Um, so just let's do a quick rundown. Just um, just kind of uh, summing up before we go to the last two questions. So we had so much overlap, people may have gotten confused. So just kind of reading it off. My five favorite characters in order were number one, Luke Skywalker. Number two, Kingpin. Number three, Mariah Dillard. Number four, Eric Killmonger. Number five, da- Tandy or Dagger, with an honorable mention for Superman. Uh, what were your top five uh, I heroes? Know. I had characters? Wilson Fisk. Yeah, characters, right? Because yeah. Wilson Fisk was at the top of the list. Right. Uh, Misty Knight, Jessica Jones, Sam Winchester, and T'Challa. So there we have one overlap. My five favorite ethical questions are, do we trade lives, the tradition authority questions in Star Wars, toxicity in fandom, glorifying violence, and can he be a superhero who doesn't kill? What are your five? I had use of violence as a means of conflict resolution, uh, ethics of being a fan, why is Kingpin a villain and Punisher a hero, uh, Infinity War, not trading lives, and devotion to a cause. Okay. So there we have three overlap. We're definitely getting more overlap there. Um, and with number three, it was my the five things I'm most excited for. Captain Marvel, what's going to happen in Jedi. Number three is the next chapter of the magic story. Number four is Orville. And number five is Good Omens. Right. And I had... Uh, number one is Jedi, same thing, uh, continuation of that story. We're getting the final chapter in the last trilogy, our latest trilogy, I guess. Uh, then Infinity War, Good Omens, Daughters of the Dragon. Again, that's an assumption, uh, but I hope it's a safe one. Yeah. And then the Orville was my number five. Okay, so we got there. We had three overlaps, so a lot, yep. a lot of follow-up. Um, so let's go into the, the five concerns for 2019, because we are uh, hopeful, but have uh, uh, some things we're, we're going to worry about and see. Um, and I'm going to kind of go in a weird direction with my number five, but it's one that I think is, is, is essential and we haven't really talked about at all and I think should be talked about, which is um, we did an episode a long time ago, I think before you came on. Oh, no, actually, no, I'm sorry. We, we, uh, you and I did an episode on fan fiction and I've done episodes in yep. the past with other people about fan-created content and how important that is. Um, and you and I didn't get into this as much, but I think it's a very important part of it that so much of that fan-created content is often LGBT-oriented or is about sexuality in some way or another and is often really pushing the bounds of things that don't get discussed in a lot of other places and are having important discussions that need to be had. 
Um, so one of my biggest concerns for 2019 um, is what's happening with Tumblr and with Facebook and the, the real censorship that's happening on both of those platforms. Um, for both of those platforms, they've pushed – we don't know yet exactly how it's going to be enforced, but pre-draconian rules about shutting down discussion of um, things that are you know, LGBT, uh, queer-related, anything kind of outside of the, the sexual norm. Um, uh, that, that term with great quotes around it. Um, and I think that that's, it doesn't seem on the surface part of our purview, but I think that's a huge attack on fandom. And it's a huge attack on a very important part of fandom that is standing in opposition to the toxicity of fandom. Um, so for me, that is, that is one of the big concerns is, is what's going to happen to those online communities and where is it going to go and what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, it, that didn't make my list because it wasn't on my radar as something that uh, related to what we discussed, but you're absolutely right, uh, and it is a a major issue, sort of t stepping out from uh, the context of this podcast a little bit and talking about ethics as it relates to real life. I don't understand how we as a society can let these uh, let these organizations get away with that. And, and I mean, in some ways we're not right. They're definitely being called out on other platforms, but like one of the biggest platforms for calling Facebook out is actually Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and so that can create some problems, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a very definition of, a, of the problem of monopoly because for a lot of like a lot, this is taking away the living uh, of a lot of people who, are, who had made their living with, with fan art and things like that. But also it's, you know, um, like, you know, I would love to say, I'm going to quit Facebook and Twitter um, in protest because of this. But then this podcast would probably die because that's the biggest way we, we promote it. And I, I don't like that I'm using uh, those resources that are, are, are not very good. Um, but I, I don't know what the alternative is yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about that, but I'm hoping the conversation pushes forward. Um, what, what's your number five? So for me, it's, it's a little more selfish, actually a lot more selfish. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm concerned that – so uh, for people not in the know – uh, Disney is going to be premiering a new streaming service this year, their own priority streaming service. Uh, so sort of as a direct competitor for things like Netflix and Hulu plus. Um, my concern is because Disney owns Marvel, right? That this streaming service will end up de facto killing the Netflix Marvel continuity. And if they're going to make, like if they decide to continue, uh, doing TV shows, there it's it would end up being something brand new rather than sticking with the the crew and cadres that they have now, and I just think that that would be a major mistake with everything that's been built so far, and would really leave me uh, wanting for for something that then won't exist, right? Yeah. So it's a pretty big concern for me, only because I mean. We j I joke about us getting a paycheck from, uh, from Netflix, which we absolutely do not do. Um, but what we do do is we get a lot of material to talk about from them. Uh, and I don't like I'm I'm like not so cynical as to think that anything that Disney put out wouldn't be as good. In fact, I actually have a lot of faith in the Walt Disney Corporation for knowing generally what they're doing. But I I'm really invested in the stories and characters we have now. Yeah. I'm, I definitely am feeling the same way, and that, that concern is on my list as well. Um, in part because I feel like the Netflix shows have been willing we, – you know, we've talked uh, – I, I always think this is one of the strangest things is that um, Netflix, they're allowed to ask hard questions like the morality of the violence they do. You know, to me, there's something so broken about like, that you can't – that that's too dark 
for the MCU on screen, um, on, on movie screens. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you that that is a, a, a big, big concern of mine as well. Um, what, what's your number four? Uh, number four, I have the Punisher season two. Um, the big concern there is that uh, this sort of continuation of painting him as a hero and glorifying his use of violence toward that end. Yeah. Um, like, I don't, I feel as though, and I think we talked about this a little bit and perhaps even disagreed a little bit about it, but I feel like we were supposed to take the uh, raking of um, Billy... Is that his name? Yep. Uh, uh, across the the glass at the carousel, as just like, yeah, he got his revenge. He's doing it, uh, and I was just mortified. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I, I want uh, when we see Punisher again, I really want it painted with with very clear gray strokes. I feel <laughs> like that would actually make the well, I feel like that would make the the character more interesting as well. If if even the media presenting him wasn't entirely on board with what he was doing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you there. That wasn't on my list, but I think it's it's definitely a really important one. Um, because I I think that the writers were trying to say that he is, he was way over the line with how he treated Billy, and that that was kind of a sign of just how far he had fallen as well. But I don't know. I don't think we're going to see until. Um, that next season of Punisher. Um, so I'm right. really curious to see where that goes. Um, my number four, and again, we've, we've talked about it a good deal already, but it's the toxicity. Um, I, yeah. I think that we are moving... I, it, it's one of those hard things to tell the direction because I feel like we are doing more to push back against the toxicity in fandom and we're creating more and more space for people who aren't just straight white men. But because of that, the, those the, the, those forces are kind of pushing back against that, and so it feels like, you know, it's that kind of like uh, I um, I remember I went to a talk a long time ago about gay rights. Uh, this was many many years ago. Before we were using words like queer and LGBT, um, and the person was specifically talking about gay and lesbian rights. But but one of the terms that they used was, and I'm not that's a whole other debate. I'm not trying to say that, that was okay. I'm just naming it in history. Um, but one of the things that the guy said that I really liked was he was saying um, they're fighting back so much because we're winning. And I hope that's the case in what's happening with toxicity. But then I see things like what happened with Tumblr and Facebook. I see um, some comments from um, the people at, at Disney and Star Wars that maybe they, they, didn't, they didn't think Last Jedi was the right direction to go and they might change their mind. Um, I'm I'm really nervous about what's going to happen in fandoms because of the toxicity and and, and we've talked about it a good deal already. But I it's definitely on my list of things I'm, I'm nervous about for 2019. I mean, it, it, you could include in your list a certain Supreme Court justice that has been yep. uh, confirmed uh, after a hearing that showed that maybe not the most maybe has a deficiency in maturity as the Magic Judge program would would put it. I think. Yeah, I mean the man uh, we put a rapist in the Supreme Court. I mean I think that's that that can be named. Uh, so, I'm worried that we're going to get even more male heroes that are just angry men bent on revenge. I mean, how many do we have this year? We had a lot. Like, you could total it up. It's a it's a not insubstantial number, and it's not an insubstantial percentage of the total heroes. I mean, like, first of all, I just think that as a as sort of a, a trope or, a, or a, a painting of a story, it's way played out at this point. 
Um, so just from a, like, I want variety in my media, I'm sick of it. But I'm also sick of it because I don't, I don't like it. I don't want uh, this because I feel like the more that we see it as as heroes, as people we're supposed to be on the side of, uh, the more it sort of endorses that it's okay to be that that you know these are you know oh they're a bit troubled, but you know they've they've got the right idea about how to solve their problems, even if the no even if no character says it. Right, I don't want I don't want the ideas of of revenge to be something that people actually endorse. I think that the painting of revenge as a problem was done a lot better with characters like Bushmaster in uh, Luke Cage season two. Uh, that's that's if there's going to be a revenge story, let's do that. I, I'm definitely with you there. I think uh, it wasn't on my list, but I think it's definitely a really good good thing to be nervous. Good thing, but something that I very much understand why you'd be nervous about, um, because. We get too much of it, you know, and even some of the stories that I, I, I think um, a lot of that conversation we had in just our very recent episode with Jessica Plummer about Superman and Batman was hard because she was pointing out some of the things that are, are kind of broken about Batman, who is probably my favorite character, which was before Netflix started putting things on television. Um, and he's definitely in that. And I, and I, I sort of feel like it's not that I think this storyline makes Batman a, a, a bad character. It's that we have Batman and that we have some of these others. And Batman is trying not to be a, a person of vengeance, but – I definitely agree with you. There, there, there's, there's more than enough of that. I really don't want much, and, much more of it. Um, and I think that it's actually related to uh, – my concern there is related to your concern about uh, the toxicity in – Very much so. In, very in much fandom so. and our culture, right? It's it's that same we – need, we need male characters who are capable of expressing something other than anger on the regular. Please. Yes, definitely. Yep. Um, my number three uh, in the Batman universe um, – I'm really not sure how I feel about getting a Joker movie. Um, in part because, in part just because I feel like we've had so many good depictions of Joker, and I admit I hated his depiction by Jared Leto in the um, uh, Suicide Squad movie. Um, but also, to me, what makes Joker such a good character is how he interacts with Batman, and the way he is such a foil for Batman. We're getting we're getting a Joker movie that doesn't have Batman which seems really weird to me. And also we're getting a Joker origin story, which one of, mm. one of the many things that I love so much about Dark Knight is that every time someone asks Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, why are you the way you are? He tells a completely different contradictory story. And to me, one of the essential parts of Joker is he, he's kind of like Iago in Shakespeare's Othello. His, his malevolence is beyond explanation. It's beyond origin. And to give him an origin story and to say this is what makes him the way he is, it just feels like it undercuts so much of what makes that story good. Um, it might be great. It might be, you know, it might define my expectations, but I'm very nervous about that movie. Yeah, uh, I, especially on the origin story thing, like, you've, you, I'm sold. I don't want to see that because that is not – that. There's no way I can't like maybe there's some brilliant writer out there who found one, but I just cannot conceive of a way that you can make the Joker character as I understand him work. Yeah. Well, actually, like he defies that kind of description for a reason. Right. And it, so like if you actually try to pin it down and nail it and be like, oh, it was this. I'm not going to believe it. I mean, like, to me, what Joker is the ultimate exception to prove the rule. Because, you know, kind of one of the mission statements of this podcast definitely is 
villains should be relatable. And for the mm-hmm. most part, I think that's absolutely true, and villains should be understandable. Joker works so well because he is such a fundamental rejection of that on such a complete and total level, in a way that I feel like unless you go all the way, it doesn't work. That's why so many of the Joker, like, characters trying to be the Joker just don't work. Um, and yeah, so I just I just don't want the origin story. Right. Um, right. We yeah we we got to clip along here a little yeah. bit because we're uh we're already pretty yeah. deep in. <laughs> so so what, we're on my one? number we're on my number two, right? Um, it's also Infinity War. So Infinity War was my yeah. number two thing that I'm excited about. Also the number two thing I'm concerned about because I'm worried it's just going to be a cheap tidying up rather than there actually being some cost associated with with the choices that were made in the first movie. Because if all we do is we manage to undo everything that happened, then we just get validated in making those decisions, and we never have to consider that maybe we should have made different choices. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, and I, I actually had it uh, – this is my number one concern. Um, it's, and what I, what I put it is the consequences of Infinity War. And part of it to me is the consequences of those we don't trade lives thing. I really, I really want Cap to have to face his Kobayashi Maru. I don't want him to feel like he can use superpowers to get out of it and can save every life. Um, mm-hmm. And and I and, and for me it was it was similar but kind of in a, in a more general way. I'm still very invested in the MCU, and obviously I still love the Netflix movies. I'm really excited for Captain Marvel and some of the others. I admit I lost a lot of my love for the MCU this year because they gave us something so powerful at the end of Infinity War where, you know, the snapping, the snapture, and they, they basically said, look, this is fundamentally changing the MCU. This is a cataclysmic, universe-affecting event. And then they gave us, what, five different movies or TV shows all set in the same universe – none of which in any way acknowledged it, except for maybe a teaser at the end of one or two of those. Yeah, um, Ant-Man and the Wasp had something at the yeah. as the as the teaser at the end. Yeah, Ant-Man right? and the Wasp had a small teaser at the end. It's a little bit barely referenced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was just so disappointing to me because, for me, one of the points of continuity is that things matter and that things have consequences and that if something bad happens in one show, that bad thing has to affect things in the other shows. To me, the MCU was built on continuity and they really broke their continuity with what happened there. I am going to give them a chance to save it and to explain it, but I am I, I was very disappointed in that and I'm, I'm very concerned about that. Um, so yeah, I'm with you there and I'll also say that that was my number one. My number two is the one we've also talked about. It's the future of Netflix. Uh, the, the future mm-hmm. of the Netflix MCU. Um, you would think said it best. We don't need to go over it, but it's those same questions of what's going to happen with all those great characters. Um, right. So that that's my full list. All the overlaps. What was your? I think we still have your number two and number. Yep. My my number one. My number one, and it's something that you've talked about a lot already. Uh, so we're we're very much aligned. It, it's almost like we get along or something. But uh, <laughs> we're very much aligned in our ideas. My first, my number one concern for 2019 is what we're going to see happen with the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically doubling down on them being right and the correct path, and we have plenty of evidence to the contrary, as a concession to a loud minority fan base. Look, like, I get it. I understand why The Last Jedi upset people. I think that you need to live in a world where it's okay to be upset sometimes. Yeah. And I think that that's a better world. 
Uh, I mean, not not that I want there to be suffering in the world, but I think that we should challenge our own ideas more often and be more comfortable doing it. No, I, I definitely think that's true. I think that the, the, the way the fandom, that part of the fandom at least embraced the Luke Skywalker story and what they wanted was so problematic. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and hopeful. Um, yeah, I think it, it really comes down to this question of what's going to happen with the Jedi especially. Um, I, um, I think I mentioned at the time that I so loved Luke saying, like, we have to reject the Jedi. Like, that he's saying that he doesn't want... To me, one of the questions that I don't know the answer to yet, and I think this third movie is going to answer, is the movie's called The Last Jedi. Is the point that Luke is the last Jedi because Rey is becoming something different? Or is the point that Luke has died and now Rey is the last Jedi? And that she Mm. is going to rebuild the new Jedi? I very much hope it's the first. I very much hope it is not the second. Because to me, yeah. if if Rey goes on to be the next Jedi and to rebuild the Jedi, unless she does it in a radically different way where kind of the name is the only thing that's the same, it feels to me like it would so undercut everything. So, yeah, that's definitely one of my concerns too. Um, so, yeah, once again, a, a lot of agreement there. Um, let's, yep. let's go to our last big question, which is uh, – uh, <laughs> Uh, we're basically about to talk about five things that we wish we talked about more so it's going to be really tempting to talk about them now and this is for me more than you uh, we'll have to fight that temptation and see if we can go through it pretty quick because we've got yeah, a let's, well, let's just go boom boom I yeah. actually only have four on this one I was able to come up with a with a fifth on another one in sort of the 11th hour but sure. here I've only got four so why don't you actually go go straight straight down your list starting from number four sure. number one so for number four um, I wish we had covered a- any DC video media property at all uh, I feel like it looked like we were sh- – I feel like we looked like we – I mean we did it more towards the tail end where we talked about uh, sort of Superman and Batman um, with uh, with Just Plummer in general. And we did a lot – we did two comics, right? We did two DC comics. We right. did Red Sun and we did Kingdom Come. Um, what we didn't do is any of their movies. Um, I've, and it, like again, I mostly just think like it – seems like we're showing our bias i don't have that much time to consume that much media unfortunately and if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna frankly watch better movies and like i'm told aquaman is very good which if you had told me you know 10 years ago or so that yeah dc is going to put out a new crop of movies in the in the 20 teens and the best ones are going to be wonder woman and aquaman it's the movie superman versus batman is going to not be very good i would have thought you were trying to con me yeah i would not have believed you i i'll say yeah i I, i'm i'm trying to go too deep here i will respond a little bit um I have black lightning on my list which is a dc tv show because i thought it was wonderful and i want us to talk about it at some point um uh, actually, I have, a, I have a couple of DC things on my list that are TV shows. I think the DC movies are just not very good. Um, mm. I want to see Aquaman because I want to see Jason Momoa without his shirt off dripping wet. Um, I think that's going to be very entertaining. If that movie gives us something to talk about ethically, I'm going to be amazed. But mm. I, I don't think it's going to. Um, right. So, yeah. So I, that's number but yeah, four. we're coming from there. So, number four? Yep, that's number four. Number three is Iron Fist. Uh, it happened. We've only like I, I want to do that episode. I want yeah. to talk about Iron Fist season two. I think there's plenty of I think it's a better mind for things to discuss than Iron Fist season one. Um, and then number two and number one are both much more specific. Uh, and one of which we got called out on um, on Doctor I want to say Facebook. Hmm? Is it but Doctor Who? No, oh, no. Okay. Uh, Jerry Hogarth and Jessica Jones. Oh, we yeah. did an entire episode on Jessica Jones season two. We did not talk at all about any of the things that Hogarth did. 
Um, and there were, you want to talk about people like not doing very ethical <laughs> things. Jerry Hogarth does a lot of not ethical things, how she deals with the firm, how she deals with that person that's living with her that stole from her and sort of like manipulates her into killing her uh, boyfriend. Like, Oh God, yeah. that would like, wish we had talked about it. We didn't, we didn't even like, we didn't even mention it. Uh, and then last one, um, Misty Knight dealing with her disability in the first few episodes of Luke Cage season two hit me really hard. And by the time we actually started talking about Luke Cage season two, like I'd gotten so wrapped up in, in Mariah and Bushmaster and in, in the full plot that I'd actually just like blanked on that whole thing as being, I felt like a really powerful portrayal of that particular circumstance like how her co-workers dealt with her um how she struggled to be recognized as as still capable of doing her job um and fought with with her uh man management's the wrong way of of putting it when you're in the police with her superiors uh about that whole thing i feel like we could have talked about that and we didn't yes yeah. no that's a good point it's funny things from that that's um Disability issues are so dear to my heart that normally that's something I would really want to talk about. I think, again, it's funny when we talk about a whole season of a show, generally we almost wind up forgetting about the stuff in the first couple episodes because with Luke Cage, it hit us with so much. Um, So here's my list. Um, The first one is Black Lightning, uh, which is a a DC TV show. Uh, I knew nothing about the character, and I think it is a very fascinating take on it. I think to say that it is the DC version of Black Panther I think is unfair and, and, and not... It's a little bit much too much like just putting two black characters together, but it does mm-hmm. bring up some of the same themes of that, that both Luke Cage and Black Panther do, especially about what does it mean to be a black man who is powerful in the modern world today. Um, they definitely go a lot into race, and, and they name the idea that it's harder for him to be a superhero because he's black. Um, that's, it, it's a really good show and one I, I really look forward to us getting to talk about. Um, number four, also a DC property, uh, Supergirl. Um, Supergirl's first season I thought was okay it had some great stuff and gave us one really good episode about a villain it's second season I thought was really bad it's third got a lot better and raised some interesting questions and apparently it's fourth um, is raising some other good ones that um, I, I'd be really interested to talk about at some point um, I know Jessica we mentioned it briefly because it's it's raising again questions about what does it mean to have power and what does it mean to have the ability to fix things when you know it's kind of that same Superman problem of how much can you fix things before you just put the whole world in a bottle. Mm-hmm. From uh, from Red Sun. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So so yeah, that's that's four and five. Uh, number three and two. Um, I won't go into uh, are kind of lumped together. Um, they're, they're two more MCU shows. Um, it, it's the Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. Um, they're not the same, but I, but I, I link them together in a lot of ways. Um. They're both teen. They're both shows about teenage superheroes in ways that I really like, and and they kind of do that thing that I love, where half of it is becoming superheroes and half of it is teenage drama. Um, but they both do some really interesting things with what does it mean to develop powers and what is the responsibility that you have once you have powers, um, and how does that change things? Um, and and especially Cloak and Dagger. There, there's one scene. I'm gonna be very careful not to spoil anything, but. Basically, they take a very established trope and completely flip it on its head in a way that I really want to talk about at some point. So, so those would be my, my number two and three. 
Yeah, I'll watch Cloak and Dagger. I just gotta find the time. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Um, and then my number one, and, and um, and, and this feeds in actually um some feedback we got from someone else is Doctor Who. Um, I used to love Doctor Who. I got very turned off by it, um, especially during the later um uh seasons, Matt Smith seasons, and what they did with um uh the character of River Song. Um. And I, I, I kind of stopped watching it in protest, and I've heard some really good things about the most recent seasons, and especially about now that they have a woman doctor. Um, Finally. Uh, yeah, exactly. And we actually got a great comment from uh, one of our uh, Twitter listeners uh, on Twitter uh, from Hopscotch Friday. Thank you very much, Hopscotch, for writing in. Um, and they wrote uh, as sort of a – what were some of the, the topics from the end of the year they'd want us to talk about? They wrote – the continuing objection to Doctor Who actually treating historical injustices in the show's storytelling because uh, entertainment should be politics-free. I think they're saying that the, the critique is that it should be politics-free and that's a problem. Um, there are many different versions of this in geek culture, but who got a brunt of it this year? Um, I didn't realize that Doctor Who got a brunt of it, but that makes a lot of sense. But I think it goes to the same thing that we keep talking about of um, the toxicity in culture. Because um, Actually, one thing we had names, but I think that, that one way that toxicity – emerges is when people say they don't want politics in science fiction and superheroes. They just want, you know, action stories. And, you know, the old idea is that that saying nothing is to defend the status quo. It is taking a political position. That to me is something really problematic. And I, 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 knowing that Doctor Who is addressing a lot of those things and that Doctor Who's getting pushback about it definitely puts it on the top of my list of, of things I want us to talk about more. Yeah, that's going to be a hard sell for me only because uh, I – so again, peek behind the curtain for a second. Uh, I watched Doctor Who with, uh, with my wife, and we have been watching from the very, very beginning with <laughs> William Hartnell. And we are currently on um, Sylvester McCoy. So we've we've gone we've come a long way, but we're a little bit far away from anything resembling modern Doctor Who. That's fine. And so, and and I really want to consume all of that all of that media, the good and the bad, because I've already seen some bad. Uh, almost the entirety of Colin Baker's run is kind of a disaster. Uh, which, anyway, not to not to digress too far on that, but um. Would love to talk about that topic. Um, I would have to recuse myself because I like definitely yeah. want to stay spoiler free because I'm going to see it eventually and I want the the sort of fresh take on it. So apologies. Um, it sounds like a very rich vein, and maybe that's an episode that that you do and have somebody else on, and and I get to take a, a night off. Yeah, I, I think there's two ways it might go. That might happen, or it might be that I um. <clears throat> Uh, use the excuse of wanting to defend you and your lack of spoilers to, to not make the time to watch it because I just have so much else I need to do. Um, but but I really hope it is one we get into. Um, <clears throat> uh, we did get one other piece of feedback, um, which was um, from uh, Brooke Gardner-Durbin, who's a, um, a friend of the, the podcast, a friend of both of ours, The Judge World. Um, this actually, he, uh, we kind of got into this. Um, he wrote in um, a, a moral question from 2018. <clears throat> Is it morally allowable to ever support DC again after they inflicted uh, Batman vs Superman on us? Is there ever a point at which we have to say no more second chances? It's um, a great question, it's a great question. Uh, um, and it's, it's like a really harsh dig too. But it, it is, and, and why I I really understand where he's coming from. Um, I think Wonder Woman is the answer to that question because I do think yep. Wonder Woman is. Wonder Woman doesn't make me want to watch other DC movies. 
but Wonder Woman makes me think that there is that it's certainly possible for other DC movies to be quite good. Um, <clears throat> certainly, I'm very excited for the new Wonder Woman movie, uh, which I didn't include because I think that's coming in 2020, but it might be in 2019. Yeah. I think it's 2020. I think you're right. Yeah. But if it's 2019, that's definitely on my list of things to be excited for. Um, <clears throat> especially because I, in the same way that I was saying, I think it's unfair to make Black Lightning sort of the DC Luke Cage or the DC um, Black Panther. I think it's it, it's tempting to, and I think I kind of did this myself, and I want to call that out a bit on myself. It is tempting to say that, um, you know, Captain Marvel is going to be Marvel's uh, Wonder Woman. I don't think that's fair. I think that they should be seen as two unique, distinct characters who just both happen to be awesome, strong women characters. Um, so kind of a correction to myself there, but I but I do think that <clears throat> the way that movie was done does give me at least some hope for DC, but certainly it means that I am approaching it incredibly suspiciously, and as I think we talked about a lot with um, Jess Plummer, at this point I don't have any credit – I don't think they have any credibility to tell us stories about Batman and Superman anymore. Which is unfortunate because Superman is their character. Yeah. Um, and as with basically every other topic, we could talk about that for a very long time. Uh, but we really got to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, we... But I know that you wanted to talk about uh, a top five list that is sort of unique to us and uh, and it's something we, we share in value. So uh, take it away on the five ways that people can help our podcast yeah and that's that and this is kind of a similar list to last time but it's a you know uh a, a in closing uh five things that um we want to i, I want to intro this a little more by saying that to me the thing that makes this podcast possible is you guys the fans um we have seen our listener numbers at the start of this year we were getting about 50 or 60 um downloads an episode we're now getting over 250 per episode and sometimes cracking 300 um which really just makes me so happy um because the fact is, Jacob and I could have these conversations by ourselves pretty often, um, and if we weren't recording it, we could have it over beer, which is something we both really enjoy. Um, but we record it because we want to share this with people, and we want we want to expand the conversation. We want to be talking with more of you. So um, I'm just so glad that, that people are listening. Clearly, those listener numbers are going up, which I think means that people are sharing it with others, and it's, it's spreading, and that is just so great. Um and I, and I do want to say, like, if, if for those of you who love the podcast and want to help us, there, there's, there's five things I want to give you a list of, um, things that I, I want you to do. Um, the first is leave us reviews, um, especially on iTunes, but also any other podcast place where you, you listen to podcasts. Give us a review. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to be pretty cynical here and say, please give us a five-star review. If you uh, have a more negative review, maybe uh, contact us in a different way. But certainly no censorship. If you want to give us a negative review on iTunes, please go ahead. The negative feedback is helpful as well, um, but especially if, if your goal is to to help more people find the podcast and to help us get you know more people in the conversation, please leave a great review for us in one of those places. Uh, the second one is to join in the conversations. Um, we, we we post about these things on Facebook and on Twitter. We're trying to move the conversation to a Facebook group because it's a lot better for conversation. A lot of you I know have not moved over there, and, and we may may abandon that, but I want to keep pushing it a little longer. Um, but certainly on the Facebook page and the Facebook group and on Twitter, we're trying to do more to post you know, discussion questions from these episodes. Please jump into those and post more yourself. We, we love when, when people jump into questions. We love when people have things to discuss. Um, and it's fun when it becomes a back and forth between myself and Jacob and uh, uh, myself and a listener or Jacob and a listener. But even better is when you guys start discussing these things uh, just yourselves and, and, and just bounce ideas around. I think it's so great. 
if I can if I can add something to this particular point, actually two things. So first of all, uh, on the Facebook group, uh, one of the people who's engaged, I want to name uh, Justin Operable is how he's identified yeah. on Facebook, uh, had just a really nice long string of like different uh, ideas and conflicts that come up that uh, that we engage with and, and a lot of really interesting ideas being thrown around there. So we'd love to have more people join in on, on that on those different conversations. Um, and to, on Twitter, uh, this may be the year that I finally crawl out of my cave and, and go on to Twitter myself, in which case then I'll be, uh, engaging as, as myself on these conversations rather than just letting Matthew handle all of it. Yeah. Well, and I think that would actually help because I think one thing I might do on Twitter is right now there is the Twitter account is the Twitter account of this podcast, but it's also my personal account and I'm kind of using it for both. Um, if you jump mm -hmm. on Twitter, I might separate those two and make it sure. one we can both access and each of us have our own. Um, yeah, we can we can take that <laughs> offline, but yeah. uh, that's probably a good idea. Um, the third thing is share this with friends. Um, you know, these things spread by word of mouth, and um, I often hear great stories from you guys about you know how you found the podcast. You tell me because someone else told you about it, and a lot of times I see someone uh, sharing a link to one of our episodes or to our webpage. With, and tagging someone else and saying, hey, you've got to listen to this. You've got to check this out. Please keep doing that. It's a great way to get people to know about it, get people talking about it. Um, especially because I imagine if you are a listener to this podcast, it's because you enjoy these questions and probably because you, you like talking about these questions. Um, you know, Get your friends involved because then you and your friends can be talking about it. You and your friends can talk about, well, what do you think of what happened in Infinity War, Captain America? And let's talk about how wrong Matthew and Jacob were. Whatever that is, you know, great, great ways to go. Please, please talk at length about yes. how wrong we were. I love that too. Yeah, and I'll say that in two ways. Tell us when you think we're wrong about the ethics stuff, but also call us out when we need to be called out. Um, we, mm -hmm. we had a couple of times where, where one, or, one or the other of us said something that, that um, either we, we, we misspoke or something that we, you know, we needed an idea of ours corrected because um, it was problematic, and, and we really are so grateful to, the, to those listeners who have, who have called us out in those ways. So, so any of those disagreements, please, please let us know. Um, the fourth one is, and especially now, because right now we are planning, uh, what we're going to talk about in 2019, give us ideas for content, give us questions you want us to explore. Um, we have a post up right now on both Facebook and Twitter asking exactly that. Hop on there. Tell us about your favorite media. Tell us about a video game. Um, I'm playing the, the, um, Spider-Man, uh, video game on the PS4 and something's happening to me that has never happened to me before, which is, I know many people are going to think I'm very late to the party. I am having emotions about characters in a video game. <laughs> I am wrapped up in the Spider-Man story in a way I never thought I could be in a video game. Oh, I, I oh Matthew. I Matthew, know. video games are on the table now? Video games are... Oh. They're on the side edge of the table, and I want to say, like, they're lobster. <laughs> I'm going to not... push them into the center of the table really quickly. <laughs> okay. If you give me that... You give me an inch, I will take a mile. Okay, well, if you are listeners who do not like video games, write in so I can tell Jacob <laughs> that we don't want to alienate too many of you. But we will talk about that somewhat. But, but yeah, throw us ideas for any of that stuff. Um, and the last way you can support us, you tell us. Um, how, whatever you think you want to do to help you know, support the podcast, get the ways out there. Give us ideas. Give other fans ideas. Um, this is a project that obviously Jacob and myself and also Paul are kind of at the head of. But we want all of you guys involved in. So, so any of those things you want to do, any other things else you want to do. Um, I'm also going to throw in a sixth thing to the list, which is that we may – 2019 may be the year when um, uh, a Patreon or something else like that uh, becomes a, a thing. So we might be asking you guys to support the podcast in some more direct ways. 
Um, if you can do that, great. If you can't, no problem at all. Please keep listening. There's never going to be any fee for any of this. We want this out and available to everyone who wants to listen to it. No charge. Um, so that's that's me my wrap up. Um, thank you guys again, Jacob. Do you have any kind of last things you want to hit um, before we, we we close? No, uh, only to say that uh, I I mean I I got in doing this uh, because I like it, and I'll keep doing it for as long as I have the time and bandwidth, uh, and I hope that continues for a long time to come. Uh, very happy to hear from uh, I, I this year was the first time I came up uh, somebody came up to me and when you're on superhero ethics and I was like I actually don't know who you are and you know who I am because of the podcast that was a really cool experience I'm excited to have more of that happening yeah um, and hopefully it's not the you're that idiot who said this thing and <laughs> it's, it's more of the like hey I thought you said something really interesting but you know what if you want to be all like you're the idiot who said this thing that's fine. Yeah. I'm, I probably need to hear that then. It, it is, it is, as some of the people in our lives might point out, um, Jacob and I might be, be blessed with a slight bit of ego, each of us, um, and, and the occasional pricking of that by our fans. I mean, also. speak for yourself. I am incredibly humble. <laughs> like, the most humble. You've never seen somebody this humble. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so again, thank you guys all. 2018, uh, 2017 was a, was a good year for the podcast. Um, and made me feel like it was kind of a fun passion project. But I remember at the beginning of the the end of the year, I was kind of wondering, where is it going? What what are we doing with it? The way it has exploded this year just gives me so much heart and makes me me love this so much. Uh, seeing our numbers go up and and just thank you guys all for being fans. Um, keep following us on Twitter, on Facebook. Both of those are superhero ethics. You can email us at superheroethics at gmail dot com. Uh, and and most just keep being great fans. And I hope whether with us or just with your friends. Keep discussing these ethical questions because I think, honestly, this, you know, I don't think that this show is doing this. I think with superhero stories, science fiction, fantasy, all these things, they they hold up a mirror to the real world and they give us chances to make the world a better place. And I'm just so glad that so many people are interested in these discussions about how we can do that. So on behalf of myself, on behalf of Jacob, um, thank you guys so much. Have a happy new year, a happy holidays, however you celebrate, and look forward to talking to you in 2019. Bye-bye.